Matter, where we do all we can to worship God in spirit and in truth. I'm your host, Sean McCrane. I'm sitting here with my dear friend and brother, Mark Pazant. We're going to get to talk to Mark uh, in a minute and look forward to that. Uh, a couple announcements. We've been mentioning Adams Road, a concert October 1st. Uh, that's a Sunday night here. Cancel. We're canceled. It's not happening. They're going to have a big event in town in Draper, and it's uh, going to happen before they would have come to campus. So we're just going to tell people who come here, go to the big event if you want to see Adams Road. Give those boys a break so they don't come uh, to campus that night. So I uh, just wanted to let you all know that. Also, you can join us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, HOTM.TV. Uh, so you can check us out on any of those venues, HOTM.TV. With that, how about a word of prayer? Lord, grateful to be here uh, with Mark and for the shows that we've been able to put uh, in the can in the past few months with these people who are bearing uh, their souls and just sharing their views. And we pray that your spirit will be with us and help uh, Mark articulate the things that uh, he wants to say and that are on his uh, honest heart. And we pray that you'll help seekers who will tune in and watch this and that they will be moved uh, in the direction that you want to take them. And we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Really quickly before we get to uh, Mark, uh, we, I have had a number of personal telephone calls from last week's show with uh, the Walquist. That was uh, Rick and Carrie Walquist. Uh, we had a great time, and I've had calls that are and emails that have been very supportive. And I've had a couple calls of people who were terrified, uh, which was strange to me. But and and then I had a few people who were didn't not really happy, but the majority were happy, so it wasn't a negative thing. But you know, it's hard for people who have gripped things to to let them go sometimes, and so I I got the the brunt of that, but I got a really good email that I want to read to you, and it's from Max, and it, he titled it, Let God Be God, and I'm going to read it. It's going to take me about three minutes, but he said, it's been a few years since my born-again experience. I've often felt alone and unsure of who I could safely express my feelings and questions to. When I was LDS, I had all the answers in a strong community. It was difficult to walk away from the social safety net, and without the personal, my Without the peace of my personal relationship with Jesus, I don't think I would have been able to. My journey mirrors most of those within the heart of the matter group. I attend non-denominational Christian churches only to find some of the dogma and groupthink in the LDS church. This was shared by the Walquist uh, last week. This was shared by many people, actually, over the course of our interviews. I was wary of joining another man-made social club. Then you listen to Sean and others whose views of the Bible differ from the majority, and now you're a fringe heretic or a heretic fringe. Conversations you would carefully navigate with your LDS friends and family about the love of the Savior now start with, I think Jesus already returned and tithing is for suckers. At campus, I feel more accepted and safe than anywhere else, but even there I hold back and hide a belief that will bring judgment and rejection. I don't believe the Bible. You could say I'm agnostic when it comes to the book. I love listening to Sean go through different translations of the Bible and looking at it through the lens of love, but I believe that you could take any inspired text and through love and sola spiritus come closer to God. A lot of Christians proclaim freedom in Christ but are quick to limit God with their interpretation of the Bible. This is really important stuff. Delaney McCraney's interview was beautiful in her expression of the freedom that God pours out 
on us. Yet most Christians will not give God the freedom to reveal himself to his children as he sees fit. I would never tell someone who loves the Bible that they should question it more than they question anything else. And I believe Christians when they tell me that reading the Bible connects them to God and refills their spiritual batteries. But when I tell them that it doesn't work for me, most Christians, including those at campus, look at me as a non-believer or as if I'm defective. The same way I looked at Christians when I was LDS. This is a really straightforward, honest email. The Walquist interview last week was the first time I heard people like me express the same freedom in Christ that I experience. I see God as bigger and greater than any material or earthly object. I see a lot of things in the world testify of God and His essence, but cannot come close to containing Him. I'm sold out for Christ. I believe He has claimed me, and I love Him with all my heart. Man's stipulation that I must embrace the Word of God in the form of the Bible is just as meaningless as any other. When you choose to relate to God through the Bible or any other practice, it's just that, a personal choice, and it may not be the right choice for everyone. I, would, I could not be more pleased with Sean's reaction to the wall quiz. I would pose this question to all Christians. Here it is. If God continued to speak to you through something other than the Bible, would he cease to be God? Interesting question. I love and appreciate Sean Delaney, the wall quiz, and anybody else that acknowledges my freedom to relate to Christ in the way that works for me. This is a reflection of letting God be God. Love, Max. Really a great email. Thank you, Max, for uh, sharing your thoughts with us. Having said this, we come to one of two of all the interviews we've done of people who have not been LDS before. Mark Bazant is our first. He is uh, my brother, he is my friend, and I've asked Mark to come on the show because he's, very, he's, he's full of self-effacing remarks, but uh, uh, he brings something to the table that no, I don't. few, see, no, I don't. Few, few people bring to the table a mind, perhaps a will, that does not allow religious influences to hold him in place when facts go contrary to what he's been told. And if you listen closely, you'll not only hear the heart of a seeker, like you've heard with all of our guests, but you will discover a man who amidst biblical fact, he doesn't war against uh, people. It's, it's a very interesting amalgamation of what Mark has become as a Christian. He'll engage with you relentlessly, I promise you that. But uh, we can learn something from him and his ways Brother Mark, tell us, um, you know, in summary, just about upbringing, where, uh, and then how you kind of started going to a Christian church. Um, if I may. You may. I got some exciting news last week, and so I wanted to share that. It is kind of has to do with heart of the matter. I got a, received a phone call uh, from the gentleman. Actually, I didn't get the phone call. I got the message from him, and, uh, and it was... Uh, it was surprising information, actually. Uh, this guy, in leaving the message, uh, let me know that I was going to come out of the closet this evening <laughs> and that I'm actually gay. Now, that was a surprise to me because I was unaware of that. <laughs> and so when he let me know that this was all going to unfold tonight, 
you know, I was I was really kind of taken aback, and and uh, so I've got that going for me apparently now. And uh, my wife actually got a pretty good kick out of it. But, Maybe she knows something. <laughs> but in all fairness, all kidding aside, these are the kind of messages my brother Sean leaves on my phone for me. So if you think you got a good pastor out there, you can't run toe to toe with this hey, guy. Hey man, I, I, I try to lead by the spirit. That was the spirit of revelation. <laughs> it was definitely a revelation. Huh? So I'm not even sure what the closet is about. Why is everybody in the closet? I don't so, know. What's in there? Yeah. Um, but interestingly enough, when I was young, my entire family was LDS, with the exception of my immediate family. My father grew up LDS, and uh, so we were the, we were that family in our neighborhood. Got it. And we lived across the street from the local LDS ward, and uh, so we were we were that family in the wow. neighborhood as well. And so, um, I never had the, uh, a preaching. Nobody ever came to me and talked to me about it. We we kind of took what the neighborhood offered the LDS. That was the view that I had. I didn't know a, uh, any other view. We did have the classic picture of Jesus on the wall and the cross. And huh. my mom uh, claimed to be Christian. However, I don't ever recall her going to church or huh. or, or discussing Christ. Or uh, so we never we never really had that influence. We were always it was more of a derogatory. Uh, sense because we were that family. Wow. We were the family that that wasn't huh. LDS, and so um, my mom really took that hard because um, she because we were close to the church and everything and and the derogatory comments. Unless my mom was a pretty good-looking gal when we were young, and you know the the Mormon fathers had no problem looking at my mother, uh. but they weren't there to offer any help or anything. Anyway, my mother and dad divorced at a young age, uh. so um, I had three other brothers. And, and so, interestingly, um, I always had a drawing to Christ. Huh. I always appreciated the picture and the cross, and I always respected it. And, um, but, but never along the way was I ever coached to be religious or, or to, to take heart in Christ or to be led by Christ. And, uh, and uh, I remember a day, I was pre-teens, maybe early teens, uh, where I kind of made an agreement with Christ. He and I came together and, and, and I remember that day, I think I shared this with you years back. I remember that day like it was yesterday. Wow. So I know it had an impact. Mm. And uh, I, I actually remember where I was. I could tell you exact spot on the, I was outside on the, on the street walking home one night. And, and I remember that like mm. it was yesterday. Now, interestingly enough, uh, I had three brothers. And uh, anybody that knows me knows you're going to hear about Christ if you know me at some point. Mm -hmm. And uh, none of my other brothers ever took Wow. to religion or to Christ. Hmm. And, and they had a pretty good sampling for me, right? But so I was thinking about this the other day. So when the Calvinists suggest that you're drawn or called, mm -hmm. um, I actually have an argument for that. I don't know what it means, and I haven't studied on how that works, but I know they make an argument that you're called. And so I could actually, I could debate that because mm -hmm. I don't know why I was drawn to Christ and none of my other family was or my mm -hmm. other brothers. We've all had the same upbringing in the same house. Mm -hmm. um, but I find that interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know what it meant. I didn't pursue at the time. Um, 
I got married, you know, several years later, and my wife and I, she was similar. Uh, her family had some LDS background and some slight Christian background, uh, but I don't think they were really participants as well. Um, interestingly enough, my wife and I were married by a Christian pastor from the Christian school. Wow. And, um, and even he, we spent a little time uh, before we got married, he never really came out with all the orthodox mm. Christianity where, you know, we got to save you and you need to say this and we need to pull you in and, and uh, kind of neutral. Mm. Good guy. I think his name was Mike. I don't recall his last name. but um, And so, you know, my wife and I always wanted to participate, but we were of the mindset, oh, man, we're going to have to clean up. We're going to have to look better now. We're going to have to start stop swearing and help the neighbors and the grandmas and we're going to get to that at some point in our life, right? Right. So, interestingly enough, I'm flipping through the channels. I'm not a big TV guy, but when I'm on TV, I'll watch a, a PBS or something like that, and behold, <laughs> Sean no. McCraney. I'm clicking through, and I'm, I actually seen you for a minute, and I came back, and I moved on, and I came back, and I thought, what's this guy talking about, right? Hmm. And, uh, and I started watching you. And... Uh, I remember maybe two or three weeks in, you had mentioned a church in our neighborhood that my wife and I had driven by several times. And you said, hey, you want a good church? Go check this place out. And so, oh, maybe a month or so later, we were at uh, a baby blessing at uh, some Mormon friends of ours. Not these guys, I just <laughs> pointed to feel them. compelled to look <laughs> at them when I think of Mormon friends. And uh, we stopped back at this church and we'd never been uh, to that type of a church before. And honestly, it was the biggest piece of crap church you've ever seen in your life. Huh. And we walked in there and we sat down, we listened to the message and the music and we thought, what just happened to us? We had never experienced anything like that in our life. And we're thinking, no one is here for anything other than Christ. Huh. There is no, this building could have fallen down any moment. Huh. And we're like, this is just so cool. Right? And we were hooked. I'm telling you, we were hooked. And from that moment on, we got our Bibles, we started reading. I think maybe it was just a week or so, we started going to campus. You were in the engineering building at the time. Mm -hmm. And we could not get enough. Mm. I we remember those. We read things. and read and read. And I immediately uh, got a one-year Bible. I made sure I at least read the Bible once a year, every year, cover to cover. Mm. Not to mention the insides and outs. And my wife was the same way. We were involved in everything we could be involved in. Mm -hmm. uh, we got into a small group. I co-led a small group. We had an accountability group. We had a Bible study group. We did every, I mean, I couldn't get enough. I loved it, honestly. Mm -hmm. My wife and I, it was probably one of the greatest times in our lives. We could not get enough. We, we loved God. We loved what it felt like. We loved being involved in a group of people mm -hmm. that loved God. Mm -hmm. um, I read everything I could get my hands on. I read all your books with mm -hmm. the exception of uh, Mormonism, Christianity A to Z, because I didn't find application, but I read all the other books. Uh, Max Cluto's Grace, uh, Glenn Hill's uh, wow. Christianity, uh, Greatest biggest, Dilemma. Greatest Dilemma. Um, I read Charles Templeton's Farewell to God, because I wanted a full circle. I didn't want to just be on the positive, mm -hmm. everything that supported Christ. I wanted it all the way, good and bad. Mm. Um, I actually... A friend of mine, Mr. Walquest over here, offered me an opportunity. He had an a early copy of uh, Flavius Josephus's 
Antiquities and War of the Jews. And wow. it was either a, a late 1700s or early 1800s copy. And it was next to impossible to read. Hmm. And it was like reading the Bible five times back. It took me a year to read it. Wow. But I finally got through that. And like I said, it, there was um, um, Lee Strobel's A Case for Christ, A wow. Case for Faith. Uh, anything I could get my hands on, I, I couldn't get enough. Hmm. You know, my wife and I, we, could, we, we never missed your uh, teachings. We, we never missed the local stuff. We, in fact, uh, as we got into it, uh, and we'd read the Bible a number of times, we felt compelled to go to Israel. Hmm. We wanted to go see what was, we, we've read, now let's go see the tangible side of this. Let's go, let's go to where Jesus was. Let's, let's see all this. We could not get enough, and since then, uh, we went to Corinth in Greece. We went to Ephesus in Turkey. Uh, we're still involved in that type of stuff, but mm -hmm. the dynamic has changed for us. Mm -hmm. And so one day, a good friend of mine, you might know him, uh, introduced us to a word, preterism. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting because the word itself sounds kind of derogatory. <laughs> and I think like it pedophile. gives you a bad taste, right? <laughs> it does. And, you know, I don't know why that word yeah. come up, but, you know. And, you know, I actually noticed in, through reading the Bible uh, several times in Revelation, there are four main interpretations, preterism, historicism, spiritualism, and mm -hmm. uh, historicism. futurism. Mm -hmm. oh, right? Futurism, yeah. Futurism. And so I thought, how come I haven't noticed that before? And uh, so, as you reflect back from the understanding of futurism, um, you really are forced to view what you're reading through that window, if you will, or that perspective. And when I was introduced to preterism, of course I do what everybody does, the knee-jerk reaction. I thought, oh, you picked the wrong guy, pal that is not right and I'm going to be the guy to prove it, <laughs> right? And so uh, I continue on reading. You know, Evan Hill's book was a, was a great start. And, um, and I read and read and read and I read pros and cons like I did with the Bible. I found everything I can that was pro-preterist and, and anti-preterist and, you know, it, was, it didn't take very long for me to come back to Sean and say this is, this is spot on stuff. I got to interject something. Uh, just to give a witness to it, uh, when we were meeting at the engineering building, these guys were front row, front row, and afterward he'd come up and he'd hit me up with these questions. And this is, and, and, and they grew rapidly in their knowledge of the faith and in the faith itself, rapidly. And when they started off, he was like a deer in the headlights, literally. Oh, and, yeah. and But really sold himself uh, into the whole thing of trying to learn. So when he says, uh, yeah, I tested, I looked at, I, I read one book, Glenn Hill, and then I, he means it. This guy does not just, oh yeah, well, that's interesting. I, I've kind of, he really goes after whatever it is to either prove it or disprove it. So continue. So it's interesting you say that, because let me back up just a little bit. When we first started going to Sean's, um, we were still babes in Christ, and you know we were digesting uh, everything that the local Christ, local Christianity, the Orthodox Christian, would would teach, and and we were uh, trying to understand that. And we were reading the Bible and trying to find application, and we started going to Sean's, and 
And uh, my wife and I would sit there and we would take notes and we'd take pictures. And I'd oftentimes ask him for his notes afterwards because we were studying this stuff. Mm -hmm. And we'd walk out of there scratching our head and we, we didn't even know what the heck he'd said. <laughs> we had no idea what he was talking about. And it probably took the better part of a year before we really got the gist of what he was teaching us. Because if you have not been to campus, you are missing out because this is not the kind of information you get at your local church. It's just not. This guy teaches you the Bible, and I think you owe it to yourself to understand the Bible from the correct view, uh, as Kerry mentioned, whether it be a Hebrew or a Greek understanding. Sean takes the time to let you understand what this means. Uh, you know, anything you take, and I don't care what it is, it can be spun any direction. Uh, if you've got, and, and I, I'm going to give you the classic example because I read the Bible dozens of times front to back, and I thought that I was a futurist. And when I started reading this again as a preterist, I realized I had been wrong the whole time. And in fact, I was kind of embarrassed that I didn't get it. Because when you understand, when yeah. you go back and read and say, okay, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And so you make all these things apply to the future. Mm -hmm. And God's coming, so you know, I gotta do this, I've gotta do the prayer, I've gotta I've gotta get myself ready. And and don't get me don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be the best we can be, that we shouldn't appreciate what, what Jesus has done for us. But when I understood when I finally understood that the work had been done, it had given us a real freedom. Mm -hmm. My wife and I have more peace today than we've ever had in our lives. And, and we're closer to God today, she and I, than we had ever been in our lives because we understand today. And so as I went back and started reading and reading again, um, it was such a burden lifted off because I could never come to grips with what are we waiting for? Mm. What are we waiting for? Why are we waiting? In fact, as soon as I felt I had a slight grasp on preterism, I met with another pastor from a place that I'd been going to a little bit. And, and I sat down and I said, okay, here's what I have. Here's the verses that I have that I believe support this theory. Mm -hmm. And I said, show me where I'm wrong. And I walked out of there and we agreed to disagree. Mm. And so um, it was really, it was really eye-opening and, and, and in fact, it's kind of funny because I can kind of imagine how Rick felt when, they, when he and Carrie first come out of Mormonism because my wife said, not a chance. If this is so, I will quit going to church. I heard her because say this. Every eye, there's no more tears, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering. God's with us. This is lunacy, right? And, uh, and Rick will attest, we sat down, we debated this. We had some, we had some great debates, right? And uh, you guys debated. Oh, we debate. I, I'm a debater. Right? <laughs> you want to find out where you're weak. You think you know something? You debate somebody that's educated on the other side of the aisle, yeah. and they'll they'll school you if you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And so, it was it was really um, it was good for us, and it really answered all the questions that no one can answer. Hmm. And it kind of put it put to the side um, just the burden. You know, there's the, the futurism, and you know, people, I know there's plenty of people out there that still believe in that, and God bless you. Uh, you know, you have every right to do that. Um, but there's a burden, there's a price that comes with that. And um, like Rick mentioned last week, 
I think Jesus most certainly existed, but, but I agree with, with what Rick said is my understanding, and I've, I've read that, and look, I'm not claiming to be a scholar by any means, but as I've read and read and read again, Jesus came, and he came for a purpose, and it was the Jews. And, and, and I have no doubt in my mind that's what it was about. And, and he did the work for the Jews. And so if we look to John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he became flesh, and come down and dwelled among his own, his own didn't recognize him. Uh, later on in Corinthians, he said, look, it's done. My enemies are under my feet. I'm back at the right hand of God. I don't believe we have a flesh Jesus Christ on earth. I think the common sense person would agree with that. Now, whether or not you still look at him. And, and so what's interesting, hope I'm not jumping around on this, I still refer to God as Jesus because that's what I know. But I don't believe that there's Jesus today. I believe Jesus was the fleshly Father. That's mm -hmm. what the Bible tells us. Mm -hmm. That work is done. He's back up. We have a fleshly Father. It's, mm -hmm. it's, or I'm sorry, a spiritual Father now. Mm -hmm. I don't look to Jesus to come. And, he did that. He did the work for the Jews. He put an end to that. All that work was done way before we were born. And, and I, don't want, I don't want this to sound derogatory, but Jesus is insignificant, in my opinion, in our lives. We have God the Father. Mm -hmm. He's always been there. Mm -hmm. Jesus, God became flesh, became Jesus, served a purpose, mm -hmm. put his enemies under his feet. Mm -hmm. He did what he said he was going to do, mm -hmm. and he went back up and became the Father again. Yeah. That's how I see it. Mm -hmm. And, with and you that, would be considered so heretical. And, and I'm fine, fine yeah, with that, yeah. right? If somebody wants to believe other, I'm not going to tell them not right. to. But look, I just read it for what it is. Yeah. I don't say that. Yeah. Jesus says that. Right. The Bible says yeah. that. And so, so as we look at this, I, I look at the Bible as a tunnel, I guess, if you will, or um, a pipe of some sort where you start and you enter into religion and you enter into the Bible and, and some people will get in there and they'll go to church. Maybe they go once a month. Maybe they do their, their Easter or Christmas uh, annual visit and they consider themselves a Christian. And you know, if that's good enough for them, then so be it. Other people are compelled to move into the tunnel a little farther and maybe some go to their, their uh, sermons on the weekend and you know, where they're smacking their kid and doing whatever, but they feel that, that that's part of it. You know, and some people go there and they are hungry. Look, we're called. I mean, if you're going to pull up the Bible and you're going to be, you're going to be holding the uh, people's feet to the fire on what the Bible says, the Bible says to search. It says to find the truth. It doesn't say to sit in the seat and wait for your pastor to tell you what to think. It says get off your butt and go out there and figure it out. Mm -hmm. Hebrews tells us to grow up, mature. That's you should right. be teachers by now. It says quit being a baby mm -hmm. in Christ. Get up and move on. And put, it so, as, put it behind you. Yeah, put yeah. it behind you. Let, lay to rest all these elementary things of Christ, right? And so um, I think if you search, I think God leads you, mm -hmm. right? Um, I didn't get here by sitting at home, That's right. right? If I didn't go through all these steps, I could have never gotten there. But and you're so, a seeker. And I don't think everyone is called to seek. And, you know, if you're not, you're not, mm -hmm. right? I don't think you have to be. That, that's how I'm wired. That's how my wife's wired. Um, but so as, as I look at this tunnel, um, I think by seeking, you work your way through it. You understand there's things that you can apply to. There's things that make sense or maybe don't make sense. Uh, but as you seek, you find. You gain the wisdom that Christ tells us to find. Seek mm -hmm. wisdom. Mm -hmm. you know, what's the first thing? 
get wisdom, yeah. right? And, and I feel like my wife and I have come out the other side of the tunnel now. Mm -hmm. We've been through the Bible A to Z, um, and this is a, a challenge that we have now, is when you understand the Bible, and you understand it in a preterist light, then it's fulfilled. Jesus says it's fulfilled, the Bible's fulfilled. And so when there's a futuristic tone to that, it draws you back, and maybe that's by design for people that keeps you coming back and keeps you coming back. And if God hasn't come, of course you gotta come back. But look, at some point you gotta face reality. It's 2,000 years, it's another 2,000 years. Uh, you know, I don't know, I can't say that. It makes sense to me that he came back. He had a purpose, he told us what the purpose was. The purpose was fulfilled, and it's done. So let me ask you something, uh, Rick, just so we can clarify the tunnel. I've drawn this out. We had a conversation on the phone when I talked about him coming out of the closet. <laughs> and uh, we have the tunnel talk. And so the way you would say it is unbeliever, believer, opening to the tunnel. They get inside. This is religion, brick and mortar religion. But at the end, end of that, coming out is fulfillment. 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 But here's the, <coughs> excuse me, the key ingredient. Christ is before the tunnel and Christ is after the tunnel. Mm. Christ leads you to the tunnel, mm -hmm. and when you come out the other side, Christ is still there. It's yeah. not something you gain going through. Right. If you don't have a desire for Christ, why are you going to the tunnel in the first place? Right. Something draws you in, right. whether it's the Calvinistic approach to that, I can't say. Whatever it is. But something drew me in that didn't draw my family in, mm -hmm. um, and so we come out the other side with, with freedom. But. You have to admit, in fact, tell us what happened when you discovered uh, fulfillment, uh, we'll call it fulfillment eschatology, and you and your wife came to understand it. You sort of uh, became like all of us when you come up with new information, someone who would talk about it. Oh, and yeah. how was that received? <laughs> that was not received very well. <laughs> <laughs> so you, went to, you were going to a church that was pretty much futurist. Yes. Yeah. So in your small groups, and you still attend this church. I do. Yeah, you, you enjoy the fellowship and things, but you're starting to now, you're starting to share it. And I'm really surprised. I'm actually quite uh, proud of them for not booting you out because most, a lot of church pastors cannot take someone in their congregation who's talking with people about things that are different. They just don't. So I, I, my hat's off to your pastor for that. But what happened with the people? So now I, I, I will say I was semi-discreet about it. If somebody was questioning, I would feel free to talk at the church. Okay. I don't feel it was my place to go. Yeah. I will tell you, and I have my friends here that will validate this, I was no longer invited to the small group anymore. <laughs> you were uninvited? Oh, I was uninvited <laughs> to every secondary thing. Oh. Yeah, oh. yeah. Nobody, nobody wants... Uh, Nobody wants to uh, associate with the preterist. So the people of the groups were uninviting you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how did that, I mean, I just, I'm curious, how did that actually come down? How's the, un, how does the uninvitation come? You um, know, Mark, <laughs> you know, Mark, we love you. <laughs> I guess I just wasn't reinvited back. <laughs> you know, it, it was, um, I don't want to go into great detail because um, some of the people, um, I think, really didn't like to see it happen that way, but I, I understood. Yeah. I understood that it was not going to be taken well. It goes against the grain. And, um, and quite frankly, um, 
I have, so that's what I was trying to tell Sean uh, earlier is I've really come full circle. There was a point that I said brick and mortar's out, uh, Mormonism's out, Christianity is in essence out, religion as a whole is out. And as I've had a chance to rethink that, because uh, trust me, I'm still a huge believer in Christ. Uh, Christ is the center of my wife and I's life. Mm. And, uh, and we've seen great fruit with our family and our kids. And, and, and still today, I've got a, a truck full of New Testaments and no. you're gonna get one, right? Yeah. I give them out all the time. Um, I want people to know who Christ is. And so as I looked at kind of self-condemning religion, I looked at the entrance to the tunnel and thought, that is the only way to get to the other side. You can't start in the middle or at the end. You can't start. I saw a friend of ours uh, who claimed to be Christian for several years. He said, you know, I'm so pissed off that I just wasn't introduced to this up front. You can't be introduced to this up front. You need to have an understanding. You need to, just as Hebrews tells us, you need to get your baby steps and drink your milk and work your way through, and you need to get tough so that you can deal with it because it is not an easy thing to take. When you've spent years studying and be surrounded by futurists and, and, and Christ is coming and, and everything you do is focused on this, uh, you've got to say the prayer, the sinner's prayer and baptism. And, and just, and I got to come back to baptism because I have a funny story that you'll remember. I do um, remember it. <laughs> and um, if we throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, um, then we shut the door on the tunnel. I have no problem with brick and mortar. I have no problem with Mormonism, with Catholicism, with whatever, as long as you know who Christ is. If you have the peace and the comfort in Christ and not the burden, mm -hmm. then do it. I continue to be involved in churches because I can serve, and that's my purpose. And the pastor where I go, he knows my feeling. And, and surprisingly, <laughs> I've actually thought I was going to be uninvited several times. Yeah. But you know what? I'm going to show up until they tell me not to show up because there's something for me to do. Mm. If I can go serve, then I'm going to go serve. Remarkable. It's that very healthy. It's a beautiful attitude you guys have embraced. But you're rare. Really, you're a rare group to, to go through what you've done and to come out that way. I, I, well, I, but I, we I shouldn't be. I know you shouldn't, but I, let me just give you one example, and I want you to are, you give your thoughts on this. You say how you and Casey became so free. And, and we've talked about how when you come to understand fulfillment, then you are free to love. There's no reason to judge. Amen. There's no reason for anything no, because you're free to not. love. I agree. There's not. And but, when you look at the other religions, you know, like I said, I'd pick and choose just like everybody else. Oh, this is good, bad, good, bad. Right. Look, if it's teaching you, whether it's teaching you what we deem is right or wrong, right. I don't care. Right. If it's teaching you about Christ, it's up to you to search. It's up to you to seek and find the truth. If you don't want to know the truth, don't. But having Christ in your life is better than not, even if it's wrong, so in my to, opinion. To my point was, you and Casey have experienced great freedom in uh, fulfillment uh, eschatology, but so many people find utter terror in it. They find hopelessness in it. That's why it's rejected so out of hand. 
how do you do you have any thought on that? Why so many people who have cut their teeth on futurism, when they hear a logical representation of fulfillment through the Bible, look, it's all done here, they just they say no, I can't deal with that. I, and I've had I've had several people tell me it takes my hope. So where's your hope? How do you talk about this? So it is very difficult. It's very difficult because. Um, so let's go back to what what we I think internalize. We think gives us the hope. We think the Bible provides it uh. for us. We don't trust that God provides it for us. We trust in the Word because we're programmed. Yeah. You got to be in the Word. Yeah. You got And in all fairness, the Word does make us act. I think uh, I've been in the Word and I've been out of the Word, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I find that I, I'm probably more loving and more giving when I'm in the Word. And uh, it becomes difficult because when you realize, you know, you've read and read and read, there's really no more you're going to get out of that. It's really a transition period mm -hmm. from being in the Word and counting on the Word as the rock and relying in Christ as our rock. Mm -hmm. We're led by the Spirit. We're not led by the Bible. Mm -hmm. We're led to understand our God through the Bible, right. but the Bible's not the one that gets us out. It's right. not the one that makes us serve right. or help grandma across the street. Right. It's, it's what's in our heart. Mm. It's the spirit in our heart. And it is scary and it is tough, mm -hmm. right? Because everything you know, and like I said, I, I would imagine it's likened being LDS and coming out of that and then trying to adapt uh, into a different religion. It's hard. Everything you know. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so, with freedom comes responsibility. Mm. And, and truly, that's where the brick and mortar, I think, has relevance. Mm. Everyone's not ready for responsibility, mm -hmm. nor do they want responsibility. They want to go, and I would, I would argue most people want to be told Remember that what line, to think. that most people stay in the, in the tunnel. Absolutely. Most people want to be told what to Absolutely. think. Absolutely. Most people will rely on their pastor to tell them, and they'll just take yeah, it. I'm right? good with it. Right or wrong? Yeah, that one's tough for me. In fact, I've already addressed this next week. We're going to open the show with my response to what Rick is talking about, but I'm letting him Rick get Rick is off. out there. Mark! I, I am the specimen. <laughs> See, I mean, oh, they oh would you get, saw get that back up. Dang it! I thought it would be <laughs> yeah, the physical I mean, get it right. Wait. They're, they're introducing him as the physical specimen. Well, I was gay last week, so what the heck? <laughs> Sorry, Mark. <laughs> All right. Well, you both have we become now. physical specimens. <laughs> and, you know, you gotta, you gotta love that guy. He uh, definitely transformed. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I differ with you greatly. In fact, immeasurably about the good that uh, brick and mortar churches do, I, I, campus included. I think that people need to do what you and Casey, what uh, the the Walquists have done, and they they learn, they take what they're going to do, and they go. How you, do you do it though? How do you do it without? We teach them the, the truth elementary. at the beginning, and that way you don't have the guy, our friend, who gets bitter when he wasn't taught the truth from the beginning, and he has to rearrange that Bible view. Uh, that is something. And so what people do is they say, "I'm just going to stay in the tunnel. You're, you're uprooting everything I've ever believed. I'm just going to stay." Most people in the are going to stay there regardless. I know. So what good is it doing? Why don't we teach them the truth before they enter that tunnel? Say, look, let's just get out the, and then never be part of that tunnel bit. Uh, that's the point I'm going to be taking. But let's keep going. So this person that, that I'm talking about that is bitter, it would make no difference. Oh. No difference. Yeah. Um, and, and I can only speak for me and my wife. And 
um, I not only value that whole process, I relished it. I loved it. I wish I could go back. Yeah. I would go back in the tunnel. Yeah. I loved it that much. Yeah. It was my life. It was my wife's life. Yeah. And and I'm kind of sad in a way mm. that it ended. And mm. and it wasn't just the transition to preterism. It was the whole thing. It was the uh, the family that we had, uh, the place we went. I mean, everything changes, unfortunately. Um, but it it was just God. It just felt right. Everything about it felt right. Mm -hmm. And so. I could not be, I can tell you 100% sincerity, mm -hmm. I could not be where I am today. Mm -hmm. I could have never made it through the tunnel without those experiences. Mm -hmm. I could not. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have the value. Mm -hmm. That gave me the value and the drive to get to where I'm at. Right. And so if you're someone that's going to walk into the tunnel and say, hey, pastor, what are we doing today? You know, mm -hmm. tell me what I am. You're never going to get there. Yeah. Uh, and, and whether uh, brick and mortar is not to blame. Right. That's not the problem. Mm. It's in your heart. Mm. And so um, if we have people that are not going to pursue, they need a place, right? And, and whether we agree or disagree on what's taught, whether, you know, so let, let's look at Mormonism. There's a lot of nasty things Mormons do. And, mm -hmm. and if you ask my mom, she wouldn't give you one positive. Mm -hmm. but, but we know if we're honest with ourselves, there's a lot of good that Mormonism does as well, mm -hmm. right? Now, you have to balance what that trade-off is. And uh, um, people that need structure, uh, those type of brick and mortar institutions provide that. Mm. And you know, I, who am I to say that's not right? Mm -hmm. If that person wasn't going there and they weren't going anywhere, is that a better option for them? Yeah, I, I get that. And I get that when it comes to conversion, and it comes to sal salvific experiences that the brick and mortars provide. And when it comes to giving them culture and great memories and, and structure, I understand all that. But you, will you, knowing the Bible like I know you do, uh, you would admit, like Hebrews 6 says, that seekers, he wants us to seek him in spirit and truth. He does. And he wants us to grow. He does. And he does not, he do, he does not want us to accept and have the Jesus experience over and over and over again every single week. He wants us to move beyond. And I, I think it's it's paramount that you do that. And, and that's where I think most brick and mortars fail. They want you to stay where you are. They want you to remain a futurist. They don't want you to consider fulfillment eschatology. And most of them will not want you to consider Trinitarian ideas as sketchy. And so what they do is they keep the weak-minded in that place, not letting them liberate themselves. That's my argument with what, what you're saying. In your case, you're giving testimony, and I have to agree, it works. So I, I wouldn't argue with you on that. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, I don't think that can all be pushed off on religion. It has to be the individual, too. I think there's probably better ways religion could encourage. Okay. Um, and you're probably right, but I remember a, a, a line in Charles Templeton's book, uh, Farewell uh, to God. And, and, and quickly and tell I, the audience who Templeton, what he did. So Charles Templeton uh, grew up uh, with Billy Graham. He got into ministry with Billy Graham, <laughs> and he was in Canada. And uh, he, I, I think he did come into North America a little bit, or sorry, in America a little bit. But he was actually bigger than Billy Graham. Uh, back, in I want to say, in the 60s or yeah. 70s. And uh, if I recall, um, 
in the book, he talks about how disgusted he was traveling around with clergy to see that they talked a good game, but behind the scenes they were just as raunchy and, and devious as anybody. They're, they're up front preaching to people and telling them how we, we need to be good and you know we should be examples, but behind the And anyway, at some point he, he decided uh, that uh, he'd had enough, and he wrote a book called Farewell to God. And in that book, if I recall, he said 10%, only 10% of Christians have ever read the Bible cover to cover. And 30%, if I recall, of clergy have only read the Bible cover to cover. Wow. So if that is what is out there to guide us, mm -hmm. we're going to fail regardless. Got it. Right? Mm -hmm. There is no intention. How do we have a leader lead? Right who's ill-prepared, right. right? So, you know, where does that burden lie? I don't know. Mm. But, so I, I just have to come back to me. Look, the Bible's very clear on this. It's up to you. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not your, your pastor's responsibility mm -hmm. to, to make you a man, if you will. Mm -hmm. You're the one that's called to search and to seek. And, and so, you know, we can see many people will never even go to Christ. So let me throw a tough question at you. Are, are seekers and, and people who challenge where they are, the Walquist from last week, the Pizants, not even with religion, just you're seeking, you seek your way in a direction. We have a lot of, I meet a lot of them. I'm that way. You, you find something and you keep going and you keep going. Is that just their personality or is that God leading them? Because before they enter into the tunnel, I think seekers, no matter where they are, they're going to go out that other end at some point in time. I believe that that's really the, the journey. They will pass through all of it if they continue to seek. I would agree. Would you? I, I think. Do you believe it's, it's God in them, or do you to. think it's a personality trait? Well, you know, I honestly I couldn't say. Yeah. Um, it's like I said, from a young age. Yeah. I knew I had Christ in me. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I mean, yeah. I wasn't anything special. I was no different than my brothers. I had the same upbringing, but I always gravitated to Christ. I don't know why. One real quick, if you don't mind answering, if you can remember, what was the deal you made with Christ as you walked on the road? Um, you know, I think I was, uh, like I said, I was like preteen. I think maybe a week or two before a friend of mine and I had watched Poseidon Adventure or something at the movie and it was dark and I was coming home and I'm just like, you know, God, just get me through this uh, and I'm yours, right? Oh. And and, and, and it's not a prayer that I hadn't asked before, and I think we've all asked something like that uh -huh. in our life. But for some reason, that day was different. Huh. That day, like I said, it was some 40-plus years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. There was something different about that day. Yeah. And uh, You're hitting on something really important. I'm just going to keep pushing on it for a second. We got a couple calls. Okay. But uh, that... Christ in you moment when you were a young kid, you didn't say any special prayer, you didn't have any religion behind you telling you I what to no do. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. It was just a relationship, a feeling, a spiritual. Yeah, and that is, that is key. And, and so would you say that there are people who are going to the churches and in that tunnel every week of their life and doing the thing who haven't had that yet? I would have to, I would have to argue it, it's, it's gotta be probable. Yeah. Right. 
And, and do you think that is the difference between someone who seeks and someone who doesn't? I don't know. I don't know what that ingredient is. And that's why I say I would probably, uh, you know me, I'm a debater, I would probably look into Calvinism a little bit more and mm -hmm. I would say maybe there's something to being called. Maybe there is some, there's mm -hmm. some form of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure. I'm an example of that. My wife is an example of that. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's because anything you've done. Right. And, and I, I really, I can't explain what, why. Yeah. But I know it's, 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 in my life, it's happened. Yeah. Just as a side note, for at least from my perspective on that being called, I believe that God is calling us specifically for certain things at different times. And I believe he uses us, some of us here, some of us beyond. There's no difference between those he calls that he uses here, and there's no difference between those he uses beyond, and those who come to know him after this life, and those who come to know him before. I think he is doing all of it, and I think his handiwork is in it. That's how I answer that Amen. sovereign God and what he's doing. But I do believe he's working all of it to our good. Any, before we go to Charlie, let's go to Charlie in West Valley, see what Charlie has to say. Charlie, you're on with Mark and Sean. Kill it. Well, thanks for taking my call, and uh, thanks, Mark, brother, uh, and Sean, for this, this show. It's so good to see you guys. Just excited. Uh, Mark, uh, I had a question kind of for you. Uh, when you were in those Sunday school classes and they were reading out of the manuals and stuff, did you ever uh, stop and say, now, wait a minute, wasn't Christ just here uh, for the Jews? Or... Well, so, Charlie, honestly, at the time, um, I didn't know better because uh, reading the Bible, I read the Bible with a futurist intent, and so uh, it never occurred to me that Christ uh, had come back. And like I said, once I understood preterism and I went back and read, I was actually kind of embarrassed that I didn't make the connection. Yeah. I would too. I would. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Charlie, thank you so much.
It doesn't right. make sense because it's incorrect. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's eye-opening to yeah. reread. Uh, re and if you haven't done it, I suggest you try it. Reread the Bible in a past tense. And uh, I tell you what, everything falls right into place. So the question I have for you, Mark, is if that's the case, do you wonder now what, we're, what you're missing? Um, I do. I don't wonder what I'm missing at this point because I feel right now, first and foremost, we're to love and serve. Okay. Uh, love is serving. Yeah. Um, I can certainly do a better job for sure. Um, but I feel that's where I try to focus. Uh, I still, uh, if, if anybody that knows me, you're going to hear Christ. You're gonna, and, and so here's something that, that's a, a huge obstacle is when I uh, introduce people to Christ or they have questions, I'm reluctant to jump into preterism. Uh, I think I slip into preterism. Yeah. But so, and I think I've mentioned this to you, I don't know how you can go back and forth. I don't know how you teach the Bible yeah. and, and, and be a preterist because yeah. it's almost an oxymoron, yeah. for lack of a better word. And so I'm very cautious, uh, and that's why I think I'm, I'm drawing back to where I find brick and mortar has a place mm -hmm. because I don't, think, I don't think you can go from uh, uh, atheist or agnostic to a preterist. I just don't, I think it's too big of a jump. Mm. And uh, Would you agree that you could um, uh, teach the Bible as a spiritual map and as spiritual lessons for people rather than as a uh, objective, literal manual to be followed? I think once you understand the literal manual, yes. Ah. But I tell you, I, I'm, I believe to the core, it's baby steps. Yeah. It, it's the Bible is a huge undertaking. Yeah. It's it's huge, and uh, I have a couple of people I'm working with right now that are just in the Gospels, and um, I actually find myself having to go back because um, I think I've lost my understanding, the elementary understanding of the Gospels. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to go back and kind of get the futuristic mm -hmm. take on it again, so that I can help them. And you do make a really good point because even if someone hasn't been churched. They all have heard that, you know, Jesus is coming again. They all have a futuristic yeah. view in their head, even without even being taught right. by, yeah. So right. that's, a, that's a good point, Mark. I, I appreciate that one. Let's go to Mark in South Carolina. Mark, you're on Heart of the Matter with Mark and Sean. Hey, thanks to uh, talk to you guys tonight. Um, I wasn't listening, I wasn't able to hear the, uh, former callers, so sorry if this question's already been asked. Oh. Um, first, I wanted to comment real quick on the calling thing that you guys were talking about. Um, as far as God calling us, I believe he calls everyone, but not everyone responds. Okay. So if, if you say, you know, the scripture says no one comes to God except the Holy Spirit calls them, which is true for sure, but does it, it doesn't say that everyone that the Father calls comes, does it? No, and I agree with you. Uh, I, I, I think he calls to all, but I just also think he never stops calling to all. So, uh, but I do agree. We do, we do need to respond. He calls to all, but, but people uh, don't always respond. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, and I don't disagree with that, but we have to find application. If he calls to all, which I would agree, and you may not answer the door, as it were, um, and somebody brings him to you and says, hey, Sean, let me tell you about Christ. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me get you into an environment where Christians, let, let's give you a taste of what Christ is. 
and you still walk away, then there's got to be more. Mm. And I'm not saying I understand what that is, mm -hmm. but nobody led me there. Mm. Like I said, I came from a, a family of brothers, and, and, and I've shared the word with my brothers, mm. and I've taken them to churches, and I've tried to help. And, and look, I'm not saying if they don't go to church every day, they're not Christian, right. they're not worthy. They have no interest, yeah. no interest at all. So there's got to be something more. Yeah. And I, I don't know what that means. And what, what else, my brother, Mark? Yeah, the main question I wanted to ask you is regarding the email that you read at the beginning. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like I've heard quite a few people that have come uh, away from Mormonism to Christianity end up doubting that the Bible is inspired and it's God's word and that we should follow it as truth and, and, and go to the, the more subjective idea of, you know, I don't really think, the, I, don't, I can't trust the Bible, but I can trust this, this spiritual feeling or uh, word that I'm getting, you know, in, in my prayer life or something that God's telling me something specifically for me. Yeah. I don't need to go to the Bible to check it for truth. Yeah. And, and that, that's a little worrisome to me. I mean, I, I think I understand where people are coming from, but without a standard to check things by, that gets dangerous and very subjective, it seems like. I, I agree uh, with you personally. I'll let Mark respond, but I, I think the Bible is, I think the spirit is primary and the Bible is secondary. The Bible's referential, the spirit is preferential. And so, uh, and I just use the historical view of what's happened through the churches to prove that point. But I do think they are two witnesses. And I think you can run in great danger if it's just spirit, no guidance whatsoever. But I also think you can run into great difficulty when it's just Bible. But I do, I do try to teach personally that it is the spirit and the Bible as a referential source to see, you know, how far off are my ideas. If you say to yourself, hey, I'm gonna go bang my neighbor, and the Spirit has told me to do that, you open up the Bible and it says you don't do that, that's how it kind of works in my opinion. Mark? Yeah. So, Mark, Mark's gonna have a problem on this one. Go ahead. Um, I actually find the question laughable, not, not from you, Mark, that someone would challenge whether it's the inspired word. Uh, and maybe this is the preterism in me. When we look at the narrative of the Bible, and we look at the Bible as what it is, an assembly of writings, not an overall manual, uh, it's letters to Corinth, to Ephesus, to, to um, you know, just different groups of people. It's just a history book, it's documents. What's to challenge? And if you have Christ in you, you have the Spirit, you're being led there. The book's not leading you. The book is a historic account of Christ being here and the way He directed people. I, I, I find it laughable that someone could challenge that. And uh, if, if you're relying on that for futurism, maybe you could draw that back in. But when I read it, I read uh, accountings and documentation of what was said through the apostles mm -hmm. and some direction. Mm -hmm. What's to challenge? And so with the, with the things that they said to the, uh, the churches at that time still apply to us that are not specific things, you know, like women don't talk in the church and that type of thing is, is um, it's pretty easy to see that that was culturally uh, a problem at that time and is not such a problem anymore. So things like that are, are not what I'm talking about, but just basically 
the gospel, the message, the good news, who Christ was, all that stuff seems to me the point of the Bible and that that's what we should trust. And if something's going against that teaching, then, then you know, we should be pretty leery of that. Well, I think it's pretty easy. Love your God and love your neighbor. Exactly. Right? That's all there is. If you love your God and your neighbor, I challenge you to question that anywhere through the Bible. Yeah. Mark, really I good. Appreciate your time. Thank you for your thought-provoking uh, insights, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Okay, thank you. We're going to Courtney in Pocatello, Idaho. We have with very little time, but Courtney, you're on with Mark and Sean. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. How are hey, you doing? Courtney. I'm good. So I just got a quick question for you. Um, I come from a really big LDS family. And I've watched, you know, through YouTube. I actually commented earlier that I didn't know how to watch you. <laughs> you told me that I could stream you live. But anyway, um, so I come from a big LDS family. I'm the last born. I'm only 23, and I'm in the process of leaving the LDS church. Okay. Um, my parents go to the temple every week. My grandparents, he's a temple sealer. I have no idea how to break the news to them, I guess. Um, I want to just remove my name from, you know, the church because I don't feel it's right to keep my name on somewhere that caused me so much depression, you know, and self-loathing. So I just guess I need advice. I'll give you my advice and then we'll leave it with Mark. But uh, having worked with uh, people, myself and, and people like you for uh, more than a decade, uh, I would suggest to you that you cautiously proceed. Uh, right now, uh, announcing it, you have to ask yourself, what is that going to benefit the relationship I have with my family, who I love, my parents? Sometimes people can't wait to announce it for all sorts of uh, ancillary reasons that don't necessarily benefit. Now, if you feel like you have to and it's a, something you must do and it's it's noble and, and all that, fine. Uh, that's up to you, but uh, how to do it, I couldn't tell you. But just speak, I just want to just caution you, uh, wait, make sure that uh, it's done with the right motive of your heart and, and, and that you're prepared for what follows because often it's ugly and, and a lot of people aren't prepared for it and it turns to bitterness and infighting, etc. Brother Mark. Well, you're much better at uh, coming out of Mormonism than I am. I don't have a lot of experience in it. I would encourage you to uh, try to find uh, an organization or an outlet where you can find out who Jesus is. Um, more than focus on getting out of Mormonism, find a relationship with Christ. And like Sean said, you're going to be brutalized coming out. You're going to be disowned by everyone you've ever met. And so that's tough. So I think in finding the relationship uh, and building a relationship with Christ, it will also help you to make that transition out if that's what you end up deciding to do. Couldn't have given her better yeah. advice, my brother. Really good advice. I hope that helps, my sister. It definitely does. Small town Pocatello is Salt Lake's mini little sister, <laughs> so I will try. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Keep watching. We love you. I uh, love you guys too. Thank you. Talk to you later. Great answer. A great answer. Uh, 
let you wrap it up. Any final thoughts to the audience? You've said a lot of things and, that are important. And give, give a pitch now. Give, give the pitch uh, that's on your heart for where you are now. And, and just go ahead and you can reiterate whatever it is. Yeah, I don't have a pitch. Uh, uh, I think we've covered it. It's, uh, it's, it's up to you to search. It's not your pastor's responsibility. It's not your neighbors, your child's, your wife's. It's up to you. Uh, the truth will set you free. Mm. If somebody wants to challenge the Bible, mm. pull that line out. The <laughs> truth will set you free. You come through the tunnel, the peace lies there. Christ is there. Um, and it's nobody's responsibility but your own. If you can't do that on your own, then I suggest you find people that can help you. There are plenty of small groups and, and uh, secondary groups and things that uh, there's a lot of people out there that I think uh, may not outwardly be preterist, but I think they're not so much focused on the brick and mortar, the, mm. the orthodoxy as well. You know, everybody, I think, whether you get caught up in that or not, the goal is to have a relationship with Christ. So do what you have to do to educate yourself. Praise God. Well, these, uh, these interviews have just been a blessing to me. As we uh, move toward October 24th, it'll be the last show we do of the official Heart of the Matter, the old school. We're going to introduce again the new Heart of the Matter on October 31st and a brand new show. We hope you'll tune in for that. Until then, we'll see you next week uh, here on Heart of the Matter. Awesome, brother. Really good. I'm on a ride. Going nowhere. I am an existential cowboy on the wind, and I won't be coming out. I'm going in. This man's awake, a storm's arising. The dawn's awaiting till a hundred monkeys know And I can feel the light-filled monkeys start to